Hello and welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that spends more time in the cinematic gutters than a certain Chancellor of the Exchequer spent doing his tax return properly. Or so he says. <laughs> I'm Rob and here are Simon and James. Ooh, a bit of have I got news for you commentary there. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, a little bit saucy there. I'm very, very sorry. Um, I was also thinking about the cinematic gutters, uh, i.e. also the gutters in uh, the House of the Park. Oh, yeah. But, uh, anyway, yes. Uh, how are you both? Good, good, great. Thank good. you, Rob. How are you? Extremely good, extremely good, extremely happy. Very excited to be talking a creature feature tonight oh, as well. Of course, yeah. As always. Although, is it a creature feature when the creature is real? Is it real, though? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. We will find out. We will it's find more real out. than Bigfoot, I suppose. <laughs> right, that's enough. You bought the big brown machine into it this week. I did not do that. I did not do that. <laughs> Might have walked you into it a little bit, leading the witness. <laughs> uh, so what have you boys been watching? So I've had a number of really good cinema trips since last we spoke, but there's uh, there's two I want to shout out. So I went to see the Kurosawa film Rashomon on the big screen. I'd never seen it before. And now I am really looking forward to pompously describing every film with a multi-perspective narrative as having a Rashomon-like structure from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) As for the film itself, I caught the new restoration, as I said, on the big screen and found myself just blown away by how far ahead of its time the film was, both thematically and in terms of the uh, cinematic craft on display. Also, much like Anaconda... 88-minute runtime, so it can't be bad, can oh, it, really? Perfect. <laughs> that is the only two times those films have ever been compared. <laughs> Although they sound like a, a perfect sort of like sub-three-hour double bill somehow. Absolutely, yeah. I wonder which one I'd go for. I'd probably go for Rashomon first. It is a bit heavy. <laughs> Yeah, you have the real, you know, the the, the real classic as Finish the main on a light note. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a box set of Kurosawa samurai films from the BFI. They put out a Blu-ray last year of all these samurai films. Still in the cellophane. I haven't cracked that open yeah. yet, so I should dig into oh. that. Yeah, I mean, I'd really recommend Rashomon. I mean, of your hot take, Rashomon by Kurosawa is really good. <laughs> but, you know, I think sometimes looking back, you feel like you're having to eat your vegetables a bit. Yeah, You've got to I sort agree. of work your way up to it. But no, it was really, really fantastic, and I really enjoyed it. And 88 minutes, it's not a huge chore either. And it's a really entertaining movie as well and very uh, thought-provoking. So, yes, I would go with that one. Nice. Where, where, which cinema would played this so we can shout them out? Because I was just cool going to ask that, yeah. Where, where, who played that? Uh, I don't know if it was a nationwide thing. I mean, I go to the Light Cinema. Um, I have a membership there. And it is just sort of a multiplex, but occasionally they will put, you know, if it's a quiet week, they'll put a classic reissue on or some cult films and things like that in, you know, one of the smaller screening rooms. So, so yeah, it was really, really good. There was like 10 other people in there and everyone was immaculately behaved. It was, it was lovely. Amazing. Excellent. So a lovely cinema experience to boot. Oh, yeah, fantastic, yeah. And then uh, another lovely cinema experience I had was I went to see the new Damien Chazelle film, Babylon, which, whoa, Whoa. Uh, it's basically <laughs> as if somebody told Damien Chazelle that he was never going to direct again, so he just made all of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> so, jazz, old Hollywood, 
Golden showers, tits, cocks, flee from red hot chili peppers, mountains of cocaine, <laughs> and earth? an animal wrangler showered in a literal shitload of elephant dung. It's all here, and that's just the opening fifteen minutes of the of this epic tale of Hollywood's transition from silence to sound and the destruction of the stars from that era. Everything about the film is not just huge, but extravagantly loud, excessive and debauched. It sort of borders on overwhelming. However, when it clicks, and it largely did for me, it's absolutely spectacular. Delivering frenetic, virtuoso set piece after set piece, all soundtracked by uh, Justin Hurwitz's uh, jazz-infused score that absolutely rips. I'm very much looking forward to watching all the critics who slagged it perform a very quiet reverse ferret over the next decade. This is interesting. I'm yet to see Babylon. I'm desperate to see it. I'm really interested because I remember when that premiered at all the festivals and yeah. all the critics were raving about it. And then all of a sudden it got to like closer to the release and then a couple of critics started to be negative on it and then they all kind of then turned over again and were like oh it's, it's rubbish yeah. blah 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 do you think they saw how it was tracking that it was obvious it was going to bomb I, I don't know I just I always find it really interesting in festival season because obviously they've got no barometer to test their reviews against they're just going yeah. straight out this is what I think of it some stick to that and some stick to the guns but others do crumble to the pressure of what their peers are thinking and I think Babylon is one of those films. I can't wait to see it for myself, but it's a bit weird. So weird. I mean, it doubly qualifies for this podcast, which is not acceptable for a film of that quality. <laughs> oh, from that, from that filmmaker as well. Like he's he's still super young as yeah. well, isn't he? It's just like he's like in his mid forties, isn't he? It's it's crazy. But yeah, I mean, the, it's not perfect. It's not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. The first ninety minutes are a lot stronger than the the second 90 for for me anyway uh but i just thought there was just so much craft and care and he's showing off a little bit um <laughs> but that's what i want him to do he's like a, one of the primo auteurs of or one of the new auteurs that we have now mm. yeah go for it get 80 million dollars to make a movie that nobody wants to go and see. <laughs> Just absolutely swing for the fences. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, I was in for it. Anyway, old Hollywood and with that guy directing it, and, you know, jazz-infused soundtrack. Yeah, mm. bosh, I'm all over yeah. that. But yeah, I would do it. I would very much recommend it. Awesome. Fascinating to see Tommy Maguire in there. Oh yeah, he's he's quite a he's quite a vibe. <laughs> he's in the second <laughs> half of the film. <laughs> Oh, cool. Um, well, Sai, two great picks there from you, James. Uh, Sai, what have you got to uh, bring to our attention? Well, I'm sure you boys will be thrilled to know I finished the Twilight Saga. <gasps> oh, yes. Honestly, just a truly bonkers series of films. And Michael Sheen's reaction to seeing Renesme, uh yes, that is the name Bella and Edward called, decided to call their daughter. <laughs> what? Is honestly just one of the weirdest, weirdest bits of acting I've, I've ever seen in a movie, um, and I am going to put. I have to play it. <laughs> so good. Ah, young Bella, immortality becomes you. What is he doing? <laughs> it's just absolutely obscene what he's doing. I mean, his his whole like Italian. 
bella. It's just, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's just so good. But no, that end sequence is is amazing, but it just the biggest cop-out in cinema history. It's a brilliant fight between <laughs> the good guys, the werewolves, and then the bad guys. And then it's just fucking massive cop-out. It's so disappointing. Anyway, uh, enough of that rubbish. <laughs> I have actually seen... I've actually seen some good films since we last spoke. Um, one of which was Tar, which was just absolutely marvellous. One of those films that sticks with you for days and days and just gets better and better the more you think about it. Yeah, that that was just, it just completely blew me away. Although it was a lot longer than I thought it was. So I was watching it in the cinema and I was like, thinking it would be about one hour 40, something like that. And I was like, got to a point, I was like, I really need the toilet. And I was like, no, no, it'll be over soon. Just hold it. Like, nope. Still waiting, still waiting. And then I went to go. I was like, I've got to go because I'm going to piss myself. Went to the <laughs> toilet, came back, credits rolling. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, you, did you miss the final shot? No, I saw the final shot. I just saw the final shot, but I just missed the bit before that. So I, I missed the bit in the. I had to. I went on um, Wikipedia and read about it. But I, yeah. I missed the bit. Oh, so I missed the bit where she went to the massage parlor. So I've got to watch it again just for the last, <laughs> the last bit. <laughs> Regardless, it was it was absolutely brilliant. Like a really, really. It's one of the most savage final images. Yeah, I've it's so of. good. <laughs> yeah, really good. Uh, I watched Avatar two as well, <clears throat> which was just absolutely breathtaking, particularly from a visual standpoint. Just stunning, as James said when he saw it, just being smacked around by James Cameron's big blue dunk. <laughs> In three D. <3D. laughs> It's just very, very, very yeah. good. Yeah, in terms of craft, it's amazing. And it's just crossed two billions at the box office. It's insane, it's isn't it? It's going to carry that insane. on. It's only, it's only been out a month, I think, just over a month or something yeah. like that, which is pretty incredible. Top Gun only crossed the billion mark after, what, like three months or something like that, four months? So yeah, I think there's plenty of life left in Avatar. Oh, absolutely. Could it be the first to cross three? I don't think it'll get there. I could see it doing two and a half, though. Mm. I don't think it'll be as big as the um, as the first one. That was two point nine, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing. There are some things coming. I mean, everyone's just got out of its way as well because everyone's scared to yeah, death. Yeah, yeah. Apart from yeah. Damien Chazelle, he'll take on <laughs> <laughs> the maniac. It is award season now, isn't it? So everyone will be checking yeah. out the Oscar films because yeah. I think a few of them are getting re-releases to get the buzz going again for, for Oscar season. Yeah. Um, I, but there is one more film I wanted to talk about. Um, a, a film I've been meaning to watch for some time but never really got round to it because just, you just can't find this version of it on the streamers. So I had to buy the Blu-ray of it. Um, the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Ooh, yes. Which, yeah, sorry. <laughs> honestly, could feasibly be regarded as Ridley Scott's masterpiece, I think. It's certainly the most grand of his movies. And we spoke about the negative impact of studio interference last time out with Alien 3. And just this seems to be another one of those movies. Unsurprisingly, it was Fox as well, the same studio who did over David Fincher. I haven't seen the theatrical cut of Kingdom of Heaven, so I can't really like compare them as much as I could with Alien 3. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I just honestly thought it was fantastic. It was so rich in detail across the board and genuinely just a top-tier historical epic that's just got it got everything just absolutely everything you want in that sort of movie um it's really long of course it is but it's just totally worth it yeah it's really bloody good and <laughs> i just can't believe that's disappeared 
disappeared without trace because of how it was received in the cinemas. Yeah, it's so strange. If I can just jump tag on the end there, Si, I watched it at the cinema, Kingdom of Heaven, the theatrical cut, and I found a lot to enjoy about it. You know, I yeah, I like I like it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never seen the director's cut. I've heard it's infinitely better. I got I got the uh, the director's cut Blu-ray as soon as I could, as soon as it was announced, and it was it is like yeah, it is a top tier historical masterpiece for me. Yeah, fucking great, really really good. Nice man. What about you, Rob? Well, um, you've really inspired. I want to watch that again now because yeah, I want I, to get it. it. Yeah, it sounds yeah, it's amazing. been ages since I've seen it. Um, and it's a bit like, to be honest, I really like the director's cut of Troy as well. Tro- Troy is Troy, amazing. Troy actually. is awesome. Seriously, yeah. another movie that like it was derided for like, oh look, you know, it's just, it's a Brad Pitt, a showcase for how big and cool Brad Pitt's got. It wasn't that at all. Like, and again, director's cut. I don't know anything about the studio interference in this, but when you give the director the chance to make his vision, arguably these things always end up with loads better. So uh, this is another case for that. And it's even bigger and more epic and absolutely amazing. And it's still got that bit at the end where, and which I find amazing with Kingdom of Heaven, I find the two brilliant to have together with um, Orlando Bloom being a complete, wet dish rag in <laughs> Troy <laughs> and then being this absolute leader of men. Hard as nails, yeah. Yeah. But in, in, in a, oh, just there's a line at the end of Troy, which I was so happy that was still in the, in the, in the director's cut. And it's like, it gives the sword to some lad to take down into the tunnels when Troy is falling or something. And he, he says, to him, oh yeah, 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 yeah. What is your name, young one? And he says something that I swear sounds like, Pineos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. And they're like, imagine like Bloom like, <laughs> Bloom like, really? <laughs> really? Fuck Pineus. off. <laughs> Take this down into the tunnels, Pineos. <laughs> oh dear. Super stuff from everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, but I guess they're quite similar them too in the sense that the bad guys and good guys aren't so obviously bad guys and good guys. Yes, you just kind yes. of root for them both. And it's yeah. an interesting, makes for an interesting watch. It does. And and really, the only thing that defined the good guys and bad guys was certain odd, really, really awful characters on either side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That you just didn't want them to do well. But the goodies, the perceived goodies, had equally awful people on their side as well. And like these movies have got some of the best actors going in them, you know? So, yeah, oh, I love them all. Um, for myself, I've watched an entirety of a series. Can you believe it? Wow. And I don't think we've mentioned it. So my whole watching time has been devoted to this. I haven't watched anything else apart from tonight's movie. Um, but I have watched, with the kids, all of Ms. Marvel. And so bearing in mind, I've not watched any Marvel stuff apart from... <laughs> You're like, getting sucked in, Rob. You're getting sucked I, I in. I am, but it, it's, it's like they actually agree to watch it. You know, and I'm like, yeah. oh, thank God, you know, like, we don't have to watch. Like, honestly, at the minute, they're also obsessed with reaction videos on YouTube. It's like, can we just oh, can no. not watch the please, for crying out loud? Like, <laughs> I can't, like, look, this person's unboxing some Lego, like, oh, look, it's Lego. Like, oh, God. <laughs> trying to eat me tea. <laughs> I just, just want to enjoy life. <laughs> there's, there's this, no, there's this, the other, the other one they watch and is this guy who is a... He's a he's a Lego aficionado, and he sets himself challenges, but he's got the most boring voice in the whole world. Of course, he has. He's a Lego aficionado. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Can't be a double threat. That wouldn't be fair on anyone. <laughs> Being amazing at Lego and having a gorgeous velvet box. No, it's not That's gorgeous not and velvet. <laughs> so I didn't have enough black bricks, so I went and hit the store, but they wouldn't accept credit card. They had to take debit cards. So I then came home with all my new black bricks, and I made a tower out of them. Oh, is this an AI robot lied. doing these videos? <laughs> no, he's a real guy. Because he sometimes comes on screen and says like, oh dear. Um, but sometimes he uses words like, you know, to be down with what's going on. I'm sure he is actually down with whatever it is to be down with. But he says, to, you know, um, oh, it looks great. It, it looks... <laughs> That's it. I got the Lego man and I build him a wardrobe so that he can get dripped out whenever he wants to. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Miss Marvel, um, this is really loads of fun. Super, super vibrant. That's the what I would call it. Really, really good fresh take, fresh vibrant take on all the superhero-y stuff. Comes from an interesting standpoint. She's a fan. She's not, you know, someone who is born with loads of powers or anything like that. She is just uh, merely a fan of um, Carol Danvers, who is Captain Marvel. And um, she just loves her a bit and wants to do cosplay of her, but finds that in her family she has a, a powerful bracelet thing. And she bounces back in time to some really, really tough political eras in Pakistan's and India's history, like Partition Era, where the country split in 1942. So it is really well handled, all of this. I really, really liked it. Um, Iman Vellani is great as the lead... Uh, as Ms. Marvel, sorry, I should say. And the cast is really great. And there's lots of, yeah, like Pakistani writers and Indian writers on this. And it's really well put together. Hmm. Um, so I really, really liked it. Um, and its spirit was dead nice and jovial and happy and teen stuff. So I've got a teen girl here who's 12. Well, preteen, I suppose you could say. And that's a horrid phrase, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Tween. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> get dripped out. Um, that's that sounds. Get that out. That sounds dreadful. Well, it, those two sentences in quick succession. I'm trying to be like a tween, and it was didn't work. Like just watching Rob have a breakdown before our eyes, <laughs> contemplating his own mortality. I am forty this year. It is coming for us all. Uh, uh. Uh, father time is imminent. Um, <laughs> no, I really, really liked it, and I hope they do another series. Um, what's really interesting is that in, in this is that obviously researching this little segment, I was looking at what Iman Vellani's been in as well. This is literally the only thing. Oh, wow. The only thing. So she's been in previous one, Ms. Marvel. That's it. What an amazing leap to fame that is. Like, no shorts, no nothing. So she's gone into from nowhere to be one of the, you know, in one of the biggest sort of cinematic TV, you know, IPs going. Uh, and now she, next she's got Avengers Secret Wars, Avengers the Kang Dynasty, the Marvels, which is in post-production. It's mad. So, yeah, I'd, I'd really recommend it. If you're a bit fed up of the constant churn of the Marvel machine, this actually is a really refreshing change. Was nice. Oh right, okay. They are yeah. because I think that's the the series I haven't watched yet because I did quite like the Hawkeye one as well. To be honest, it was it was pretty good because that was like a Shane Black light program. Mm. But then you, you you do have to give Marvel credit and Disney credit for something like Miss Marvel, where 
they are really use putting their money where their mouth is when it comes to diversity on screen and stuff like that, and they're really pushing that sort that sort of stories with those sort of characters in front of it. Yes, of course it's over comics, but it's following comics, which are they're the ones who blaze that trail anyway. Yeah, they have done since the sixties. Yeah, uh, comic books have have always done that. So it it is good that they finally put it in front of people and. Yeah, it's. I have heard it's good, so I do want to check it out. It's just a shame the inevitable backlash that comes along with it. You know, not only have you got a female-led mm. program, but that she's also Muslim, and you just get all the idiots, don't you? And no, it's of course. It's hard to sort it, of block them all out, but you. But yeah, it is. But you're right. Like on and to champion again, you know, like what Marvel have done with this, um, and to say nice things about them, they did the same with Black Panther by you know giving. Not, what's the expression here? By opening up and embracing a different part of their obviously wide audience. You know, by giving, like, the Eastern audience its own superhero, or this particular portion of the East, its own mythology and stuff, and one that is so rooted into the the very, very poignant history of the area itself. Just really liked it. And especially if you're going to get the right people to write this. Um, that was one of the nicest things, that it wasn't just written by studio heads over there in California or whatever. You know, it was written by, you know, people who I imagine had a sense of the history and importance of this. It was great. Good. I'm glad I'm glad it was good. I, I should put I need a new programme to watch. I'm watching The Last of Us, but that's once a week at the minute. So, so good, stuff, stuff is it fill, good? Fill, oh it's really good. Yeah, it's really it's, really it's good. so spot on to the games. It's just like I'm playing the game as well. I I bought the remaster of the game and I'm Doing an Alien Three and playing the game and then stopping when the program starts. <laughs> no spoilers. I must say though, I'm well better at killing clickers than Pedro Pascal is. He's shooting his gun all over. <laughs> Sneak up behind him and shiver. Yeah, what you got shiver. Yeah, you got shiver. Yeah, that's how you do this. Um, Oscar season. Let's just have a quick chat about this. Yeah. Um, but who have you got? You know, were you happy with the nominations? Are you? Uh, is there anyone you particularly want to win anything? Uh, what are you thinking? Yeah, there were there were a couple of snubs that I that I was a bit disappointed about. So um, I, I was expecting um, the film Decision to Leave from Park Chan Wook to at least get in best uh, film not in not in the English language because that was absolutely sublime and one of my favourite films of last year. I thought uh, the Woman King would sneak into best picture because. It's basically Braveheart in terms of its structure, and it's it's a really good movie as well. I thought as well in animation that Apollo Ten and a Half, the Richard Linklater film, might have made it in there. Apart from that, I think it's a really good spread. You've got blockbusters, you've got art house movies, you've got overseas movie, uh, you know, foreign language. Foreign language is such a dick thing to say if yeah. you're from an English speaking mm. country, isn't it? <laughs> non English language films in the top ten for best picture. I'm pulling for Colin Farrell. All the way. Yeah, me too. And for either Banshees or Top Gun for Best Picture. And I'd be happy with that. Yeah. But everyone else can just do what they like. This has got to be the one for a long while where the majority of the movies, everyone's like, yeah, it's a good, good movie. Yeah, really good movie. There's no, I don't think people have been saying it because, you know, Coda won last year and everyone's saying, oh, there's no repeat of that. And it's like, Coda's amazing. I was like really happy that that won best film because it's really good. Um, I hope that there's not going to be any snark for whoever wins it, but I think it's a really solid sort of list for best picture. I just can't believe some of the weird oversights. Like 
you know, Top Gun Maverick got a lot of nominations, but didn't get best cinematography. Mm. And it's like, it's weird. Yeah, you put f- fucking cameras in jets and made it look amazing. I don't understand what. And then I, I've also seen this all, you know, the, the snark of like, oh, people don't know what cinematography is, and it's just like, well. It's how you make a shot look as good as it does using light and the camera. And yeah, I just don't know how you can watch Top Gun Maverick and not think that looks fucking brilliant. Spectacular, yeah. Um, I think Colin Farrell, he's got to win Best Actor, hasn't he? He's had he just such had an, a, he had an incredible year. year. Yeah. yeah, And he's gone from being a bit of a joke figure or, you know, someone who was seen as sort of like... He was in quite a few bombs early in his career when he was trying when they were trying to make him into a into a leading man and he sort of you know just reinvented himself as more of a character actor he's still a lead obviously but working on smaller films with interesting directors and yeah he had like he was in four really good movies last year so he should win it just on the the basis of that yeah i I think i think so totally agree i i think everything everywhere all at once will surprise a few people i think that's going to do quite i think it's the front runner you know potentially best picture yeah yeah, I think I think it's a pretty strong list. I think the biggest omission is the Woman King omission is 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 a pretty glaringly obvious. That movie one, rocks. You know. It's so good. Yeah, even in the best lead actress categories, it is surprising that she's not there. Well, maybe she should have got all of her mates to tweet out how good she was in the movie, like Andrea Riseborough. <laughs> 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 yeah, is it one of those where the film comes out too soon? Because it was quite, it was earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, it? they forget. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's how, that's how Andrea Riseborough. Nobody's seen that movie that she's in, and I'm not slagging her off. She's a great actress, but like, she got all these A-list Hollywood actors to just say how brilliant she was in the movie, and now she's been a nominated for an Oscar. Copy and paste. Um, tweet something like... Yeah, yeah, tweet something, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was also really surprised Nope didn't get it. That was the other film I was thinking about cinematography. Yeah. Nope didn't get in there, because Nope was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. I, I, yeah. I personally think it's Jordan Peele's best film as well. I think it's, it's such a good film. And I was watching it going, this is shot impeccably well every shot is amazing the lighting is incredible it sounds amazing as well so yeah really surprised that that didn't get in any of any of those i think what happened with that film because i agree it was like uh it was like one of my favorites from last year is that it took a little while for it to get under uh, where you know when everyone started coming back and doing their end of year lists for me it like just slowly crept up my best films of the year list until the point that it was like my number two mm. film of last year. And I think, again, this is it. The, the Oscars need to be like three years or five years after the film comes out so you can see what's actually resonated uh, and what's actually left an impact on audiences because some things aren't appreciated in the moment. Very true, that. Or over-appreciated in the moment. What do you think about Tom Cruise not being in Best Actor? I'm like, yeah, fine. But then someone had said Top Gun isn't Top Gun without Tom Cruise. And you kind of agree with that. So it's kind of, it's a weird one. Yeah, I'm not sure, to be honest. He's really good in Maverick, though, isn't he? <laughs> He's yeah. tremendous in Maverick. Just see, seeing his, his face, like, getting pulled down by all the G's when he's coming out. Oh, no, it. yeah. Just incredible. Not jizz, Rob. Oh, no, it wasn't that. No. I was thinking of, like, the, the the G's, like, you know, my homies. The G's, he ends up looking like Paul Serone at the end of the 
I mean, I know that's not acting, but to put for an actor to put himself in that position is quite fucking incredible. Well, and then convince which... a load of other actors to do it as well. Hey, you've got to be as mental as me if you want to be. In this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my hand up. I've only seen Banshees of um, Inner Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Inner, <laughs> <laughs> Inner Sheeran sounds like, you remember the Inner Space with uh, Dennis Quaid? <laughs> good movie. Yeah, good movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is a, a journey into <laughs> Ed Sheeran. <laughs> um, right, should we, should we have a little wander down the Amazon? Ooh, oh, for sure. Yeah, let's uh, quite a nice ice cube there, James. <laughs> that wasn't what I was doing. Uh, it's, it's yeah, it's going to be hard not to do some voices tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, we are going to go. Oh, I didn't do the log line right. Let's just make it up. Um, tonight's movie. I'm so excited. It's my pick, and I'm really excited for lots and lots of reasons. But take a motley troupe of actors you would never ever put together ever. <laughs> And rappers and future pop icons and Owen Wilson and stick them on a massive boat and they're going to go off down the Amazon. Um, They're all going to do funny accents, some of them not intentionally. That's just what Owen Wilson sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) He does a great monologue in this movie, doesn't he? He really does. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Uh, and they're looking for a massive snake. But are they ready to find the massive snake? We'll find out. That's an awful long line. You can tell you haven't prepared the long line. I did not prepare this. (laughs) Some people go looking for a snake, and they find it. And wow. Just roll the trailer. Bloody hell. (laughs) They're looking for a snake. They're looking for a tribe. (laughs) Ah, oh, roll the trailer. That was awful. <laughs> all right, everybody. Double check your gear. Make sure it's all on board. I pray you didn't forget your bug spray. They have come to the world's most isolated jungle to explore the unknown Amazon. You ready? I think so. And conduct scientific research to prove the existence of a long-lost tribe. Shishama worship giant snakes and anacondas as gods protect us. What is this? Anaconda skin. Is snakes up there this big? This skin is three or four years old. Whatever shed it has grown since then. Snakes don't eat people. Oh, they don't? That's it, man. I'm getting the hell back to L.A. Someone's got to be prepared. Now, they are the ones being watched. Do you hear that? The ones being followed. Nobody move. The ones being hunted. There's something down there. That's right. No, I really mean it. I really mean it too. But not by anything human. If we help him, then he will help us get out of here alive. Get on the face! Get us all killed! Anaconda, when you can't breathe, you can't scream. So, Anaconda, 
Wow. Uh, 1997. I'm going to say this is one of my uh, favourite films, I think. Um, not for the reasons that are traditionally picked as favourite movies, <laughs> just because it's about a group of people who are getting mauled by a snake on film. And it's high-end nonsense for me, this. Um, so I really like it for all of those particular reasons. So when, when it came up last week, like, oh, heck, it was my choice, wasn't it? So what are we going to do? I'm, and I remembered, like, I've always wanted to do Anaconda, and I said it. Again, I didn't do the usual thing of checking whether it qualifies. I mean, of course it uh, qualifies. Jesus I mean, I, Christ. I guessed it would. <laughs> it was actually nominated ah. for Best Picture, that, yeah. <laughs> Um, but, and that was before they did 10 nominations instead of five. So, um, <laughs> sorry, five, five, yeah, never mind. Anyway, uh, so lads, what's your, can I ask, your relationship with Anaconda? James, what about you? So this was either a video shop or Sky Movies experience. So over here in the UK, it was a 15, I believe it was PG-13 uh, in the States. So I was never going to get into a theatre to see it. I think I was maybe 13 when this was released. And what actually sticks with me the most is not just uh, being an adolescent boy who was obsessed with Jennifer Lopez, obviously. (laughs) Um, But um, I remember seeing the trailer like a TV spot, you know, when you used to have to watch commercial breaks in between shows and stuff. And they always used to use this one CGI shot. And I don't know if it's when later in the film Sarone is going up the up the ladder or not, but when the snake sort of whipped around in CGI, and I was like, wow, that is an incredible effect. How times have changed. <laughs> but I, I was always enamoured by this film and wanting to see it. You know, it's a giant snake eating people. Like, why wouldn't I want to watch that as a thirsty-year-old boy? So... So yeah, yeah, that's um so then yeah, we rented it or we watched it on Sky Movies when it came to home video. Nice, nice. So when when would you say the last time you saw this was? Probably then. Really? <laughs> I don't think I've seen it a lot since then. I love all honest. that hope and it didn't no. really leave a lasting <laughs> legacy. No, I think I probably you know, I probably watched it you know, if we got it out of the video shop, I will have watched it at least twice yeah. oh, that well, weekend and then thought, you know what, I've done Anaconda now, that's good. I'm gonna I'm going to put that in the memory bank. From now on. <laughs> uh, what about you, Sai? What's your relationship with Anaconda? Yeah, so, I mean, what, what's this? The late 90s, I'm, what, like 12, 13? Big fan of Ice Cube, having Love Friday, Boys in the Hood, and, and obviously his music with the NWA and whatnot. I think he was the, the pull for me, Ice Cube, to be honest. Yeah. I'm also at that age where, you know, this sort of big, dumb action creature feature is, is like crack, really, where... <laughs> It's just the easiest thing to watch. I think I watched this with my brother. Uh, I'm not sure how, whether it was some, I mean, Nana's house probably. But it's that sort of film where it's not, as a teenager, as a young teenager, it's not overly scary, but exhilarating enough to like entertain you. It's that sort of middle ground between a scary film and a sort of family adventure film. And also, I'm a young teenager, and Jennifer Lopez is right there. So, <laughs> what's what's not to love about Anaconda? I mean, hard to argue with any of the points raised here. <laughs> Fabulous work, everyone. Um, uh, well, can we should we just talk about qualification then, uh, James? Uh, is it is it budget and box office? Uh, it certainly isn't. Woo-hoo! 
So this film opened at number one with 16.6 million in its first weekend and remained at the top spot in its following week. Wow. In total, Anaconda went on to gross $136.8 million worldwide. Jesus Christ! (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Making it a sizable box office success, collecting more than three times its $45 million budget. Superb. I did not know that. I honestly did not know. A monster hit. Basically, rip roaring. Yeah, uh, we've got to put that in context. Like Jennifer Lopez was not a big star. Yeah. Then she was, you know, she was obviously she's the lead in this film, but she wasn't a pop star at that point. Mm. That comes two years later. This is before she was in Money Train, though. James, come on! In uh, I mean, yes, the masterpiece. (laughs) We've got to do Money Train on this pod. I think think we should. Yeah, we really should. (laughs) And then um, this is before. Uh, out of sight as well, which she makes the following year with oh, was that after Clooney this? and Soderbergh. Yeah, and which yeah. I, I think I mentioned it on the last episode. Just one of the best movies of the nineties. Uh, so yeah, she. So this is more. I think this is very much more sold on the creature feature element rather than the stars. But obviously, Ice Cube, very big in the nineties. John Voight. John Voight. Yeah, every <laughs> all the teenagers <laughs> turning up for John Voight. <laughs> Greasy John Voight. <laughs> what did, you sent that picture of a, a can, a chicken in a can for later in the film. I have to do a, one Twitter. We'll have to do a side by side comparison. <laughs> baby bird. My word. Shoved in uh, a can, baby bird. <laughs> <laughs> I I am thrilled it was this much of a hit. But I think what led to it being a hit, if I can just tag on to that, is it was originally going to be an R-rated film, and then I don't know if they didn't think that they pushed it hard enough or if there were there was just a few enough fucks in the film that they could redub those and put and get it back down to PG thirteen. And obviously, when it's PG thirteen, it's to the widest possible audience. Then so then. It probably makes half if it's an R-rated movie mm. of what it actually made. Yeah. Well, Got they it. do always say that, don't they? In America, R-rating is a is a bit of a a sort of noose around the neck. Isn't yeah, it? death knell. You're, you're yeah. Limiting, yeah. limiting your limiting your audience. Yeah. Um, it's, they're quite weird how they, they they work in America, though, isn't it? Because it, am I right in thinking on an R-rating you can still go if you like. 10 with an adult yeah yeah Yeah. which just seems absolutely mental to me but whatever take a four-year-old to see the exorcist yeah it's just crazy (laughs) but yeah so i mean i think that's i think that's pretty bob on the money there james i think it's pretty yeah a wise decision from the suits in this case to make those changes and get it down to a pg-13 because i agree there's no way this is making that sort of bank when it's an r-rated movie yeah it's not that gross is it or it's not that no, you need teenagers to go and see it, don't you? That's the one. Get in, then. Yeah. Well, no, and you can tell this was a big success. Actually, I should have known this because I didn't know that it was that much of a success. It's got three because... bloody sequels, Rob. Has it got sequels? I did not know it had sequels. Uh, either. May I? May I just set you right here, fellas? It's got. Let's count them. Anaconda's the hunt for the blood orchid. Anaconda three offspring. Anaconda four. Blinking out. Back in the habit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also got a crossover. 
Oh, I know what this is. Do you know what the crossover is? Yeah, it's Anaconda versus Lake Placid. Is it, is it called <laughs> Anaconda is right. versus Lake Placid as well? It's, li- no, it's, actually, f- it's actually Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Oh, How has Lake Placid got top billing? It tears? did, yeah. <laughs> like, like Ali and Foreman. The crocodile is not called Lake Placid. That's where it lives. <laughs> I just... I, <laughs> I love it, but both of them, both of them are part of the canon of those franchises. I absolutely love how this has been done. Um, incidentally, to take this back to the very beginning, I wonder who wins is... in that movie. I'm not going to watch it, so someone. Well, needs no, to tell no, us. no. Um, I have seen a trailer. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, but anyway, who? Right. This is like the planets. The FYR planets are all aligning at this point. Who else? is in Lake Placid versus Anaconda from our very first episode. Oh, uh, Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> that would be amazing, but no, it's oh, not. Oh, damn it. Oh, what's his face? Uncle Duvet. What's his name? <laughs> w- Wilford Brimley. <laughs> no, he's not. He is not. Well, who else? Who else? Would be, uh, the woman in it. What's the woman? Uh, Nancy, what's she called? Yancy Butler. Yancy Butler. Yancy Butler is playing a cop in... Uh... <laughs> Lake Placid versus Anaconda. Uh, the the circle is complete, guys. We can't get any clo- we can't what, get any nearer. Which dickhead called it Lake Placid versus Anaconda? <laughs> Fucking hell! That is ridiculous. It is. Yeah. Like, like, what? Uh, Lake Placid X Anaconda X Twister. <laughs> Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Fucking Lake Placid versus. Anaconda. <laughs> Again. Lake Placid, <laughs> a location, <laughs> a place on a map versus a snake. <laughs> oh, dearie me. It's super stuff. Right, sorry. So that must mean, say, sadly, that Anaconda must qualify through critical reception. Yes. Uh, you know, naturally, a camp B movie such as Anaconda is not going to thrill the cine literate film critics of this world. Um, but that's by the by, as I must report, after an absence of what seems like years, oh, oh. our man LaSalle is back. Oh. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mick, Mick reviewed this one. Um, sadly, he didn't care for it too much, though, uh, saying it's about a big snake with a bad attitude <laughs> that eats everybody. <laughs> that about says it all. A view mostly shared by his peers, amounting to 40% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 37 on Metacritic. Joe Lydon of Variety called it a silly and plodding Jaws ripoff. And amongst others, uh, Derek Adams of Time Out took umbrage with the snake, saying, One never questions the realism of the remarkable animatronic and CG effects, but it's hard to credit a snake that screams. Well, of course, voice voice in the, in the credits. I mean, I saw the IMDb and looking at the actors and I lost my shit seeing that the guy who did Scooby-Doo voiced the Anaconda. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. But no, uh, you know, most critics though, uh, Mick included actually, he did say this in his review, they did appreciate the funny side and the fun side of it all. Uh, with Kenneth Turan of LA Times calling it a classic combination of feckless dramaturgy and rampant excess, that giving away to the giggles is the only sane response. Um, but most surprisingly, uh, another go-to uh, uh, this on uh, this section, Roger Rebert really liked it. Oh, yes. He said it's a slick, scary and funny creature feature, beautifully photographed and splendidly acted in a high adventure style. 
He gave it 3.5 out of 4. That's incredible. That will have made it one of his films of the year. That is (laughs) such impeccably high praise. Ebes obviously is watching that, you know, as it should be watched. But in all fairness to Mick, uh, I I noticed... um, So I think Rotten Tomatoes said Mick gave it 1 out of 4. But then I read the review, and and Mick doesn't actually give stars, and they the Rotten Tomatoes person obviously deemed it was a super negative review. But he did say it was quite fun for most of it, so I don't, I wouldn't, I think one star is a bit harsh on Mick. I think he was probably middle of the road because um, he did say it was quite funny. Um, audience wise, it somehow fares worse on Rotten Tomatoes with a dismal twenty four percent. Ow, which is just insane. Savages. Um, it's. Much higher on Metacritic with a with a lofty seven point nine. Letterboxd has it somewhere in the middle on a two point three at the minute. Oof, that is low. Yeah, it's for Letterboxd, isn't it? A surprisingly low for for this film, I think. But um, it's quite weird because a lot of the reviews are like, "Oh yeah, this film's great." Two stars. <laughs> All right, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's how we uh, qualify for the. I mean, it doesn't really matter at this point, does it? Just pick whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nice. Well, I mean, we we've oh, dissected quite a bit of uh, Anaconda already in passing. Can I just talk about something that really upset me, please, if I can? Yeah. This was we've had our run-ins with the Razzies before, but no. the Razzies really had it in for this. And the Razzies, if it weren't for one other film, this would have cleaned up pretty much. Ninety-seven. What was the other film in ninety-seven? Well, um, it was the film was nom- nominated for six Razzies in 1998, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, and it, it lost all four of those to the same film. Would you like to know? I'd love it to be Titanic, but it's not going to be Titanic. <laughs> it's 90s punching bag. Kevin Costner. It is. Waterworld. For the, the postman. postman. Oh, the postman. Oh, what the postman. I must say, I've never seen, to be honest. I've, I no, I've not, I've not. I've not. I'd like to, I've never seen it. I'd like to watch it. I've I've seen, I've heard a few little twinklings saying it's actually quite good. Our, our good friend over, um, Pod Dojo Brethren, um, TJP, Thomas John Pickup at the Really 007 podcast, he loves the postman. Well, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> God bless you, Tom. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps he could bring it to us for yes. a guest. Oh, guest that's good. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, um, there's an open invitation if ever we heard one. Uh, it also uh, worst new star for the animatronic Anaconda. This isn't a joke. This sell, what sell, like it's going to appear in more films? Is it the fucking Razzies can get in the bin? Well, to be fair, it has gone on to being four <laughs> sequels. <laughs> well, it has, yeah. <laughs> Um, Jesus fucking and uh, But it lost that to Dennis Rodman in Double Team. <laughs> Get out. Get out. Another another potential for the pod. That's the uh, Mickey Rourke one. It is. It? Oh, fuck, yeah. It is. Uh, well, it doesn't stop there. It was nominated for Worst Screen Couple in the shape of Voight and the animatronic Anaconda. <laughs> but they lost to... Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme for Double Team. Oh, Get out, out. Razzies. You are drunk and you need to go home. Awful. I, I'd love them to reassess all their things over the years because I reckon they changed their mind on a lot of them. Especially when a film like this makes so much money. Like, you can't I know. slam this. At uh, uh, the oh, same time this it. is happening, it's getting a, a Saturn Award nomination for Best Actress for Jennifer Lopez and Best Horror. 
you know, like making me a mind people. Uh, anyway, well, uh, yeah, I mean, but the Razzies um, are just still loaded dickheads, anyway, aren't they? They've, yeah. all, they've been controversial this week, haven't they? Oh, bin fire levels of who is it? Because I read that they did nominate a twelve-year-old. Is it the Pinocchio voice? No, it was the it uh, girl from Firestarter. Oh, uh, that's oh, Stephen really? King adaptation. Uh. Yeah, um, which I've not seen, so I can't comment. But you know, if you're going to be nominated, twelve-year-old girls. I mean. Clone girl from Jurassic World Dominion, right there. <laughs> but get out, James. That's enough. That is quite enough. <laughs> the, it, but the thing is, like, how oh, how gross do you have to be, and how yeah, nasty-minded do you have to be to nominate a kid who's just starting out in her acting career? Like, how uh, get in the sea, honestly. Anyway. Something I don't want to get in the sea is anaconda. Let's I mean, talk about uh, anaconda. Yeah, because it's it's um, fresh water rather than salt water. Is that is that why? Well, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Thank you. And also, do you know in a film <laughs> when I know that we're going to be enjoying some nature stuff and some lovely scenic cinematography, the main giveaway is panpipes. On the, oh yeah, <laughs> on, the, on the soundtrack. Oh my god. The opening was brilliant because it was like proper dramatic music and then this really proper, pretty needless opening title crawl, really, to tell you the history of anacondas. (laughs) I've written down, the movie is explaining what anacondas are to idiots. (laughs) (laughs) If you've seen the poster, you know what an anaconda is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the poster. What was the tagline on the poster? It's so fucking brilliant. Like um, when you can't breathe, you can't scream. Oh, so good. That is a. That good, is very good. Nineties tagline. They absolutely missed a trick with this movie. I'll, I'll tell you what. The most disappointing aspect of this film is is that there's no um, tie-in record from Ice Cube on the soundtrack. That is a big point. And he could have done a hip hop remix of "Take My Breath Away." <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding, James. <laughs> he was my he was my into this movie absolutely because I just really love him. I uh, yeah, there's, there's so much to love about him in this as well. Like because he's invested. This movie lives and dies whether you're invested in it. And I think everyone who is on the screen in this is really invested in it. Um, James, you said ham sandwich last week <laughs> for poor old Chuck Dance. Um, I think that like everyone is giving it the full. Um, <laughs> full cafe table in this oh, one. Right, so, yeah. It's required. It's required here. <laughs> Charles it. Dance yeah. would have been fine in this. Yeah. This is his tempo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Charles Dancer's Paul Cerrone. No, <laughs> let's keep Cerrone where he is. This is where the Razzies can get to fuck because, in terms of the acting stuff, they know what film they're in. Yeah. The director knows what film he's directing. It is a B movie. Roll with it, lean into it, and that's what they all do. And that's why they're all really good at it, <laughs> to be honest. There's only something like 10 people in this film. <laughs> they're all just great in it. One of which is Danny Trejo, who's at the start. Oh, uh, devastating. Well, um, Most harrowing opening to a film I've ever seen, I think. I was like, oh, that poacher looks like Danny Trejo. Oh, it is Danny Trejo. Oh, he's just blown his own head <laughs> I, off. I think, he, I think he died before his <laughs> name came up with the credit. <laughs> it did. It did. Like whoa, and, and um, it, but this this was just after the pubs. But um, I mean I, that opening <laughs> that opening sequence is brilliant because it's like, I don't, does this snake have arms to punch through this wooden construct? What 
What's going on? He's like getting blown up and exploded. You're like, what snake is this doing this? <laughs> there is quite a bit of um, logic leaps in this film. Um, it's fair to say. There is one particular one later on that is accepted, and I've got no idea how it is accepted. But anyway, that's all fine. We'll get to it when we get there. Um, but yeah, we open up with uh, Treo is uh, stuck and panpipes are haunting him while a snake chases him to the top of his boat and he um, puts a gun to his head so he doesn't have to uh, get get the big embrace, (laughs) basically. And um, then we're introduced to this amazing boat. I think this boat is an amazing set. I really do. Like, not a set, because it's not a set, is it? It It is sort of, yeah. Yeah, because it's quite it is, big, isn't, isn't it? it? I, they all sleep on it. Yeah. It's, it's it's like a little mini Because I, I think Third. because this is a bit like the Die Hard theory, that if you put, and the Under Siege theory, that if you look, put your action in a very specific place that it can't really deviate from because all the characters are stuck on it or stuck in it, it, it condenses that drama and it's always fun and reliably fun because of it. Um, so they're stuck on this great big boat that just happens to be dead interesting. And it, it doesn't really look like a boat. It looks like a pier, that, a piece of a pier that <laughs> fell off <laughs> and has drifted away and it's got a motor. Um, and it's well, really need room great. to get the dolly in, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is it, yeah, basically. Um, which I learned they did on the press kit that I watched today. Uh, <laughs> some incredible soul uh, has uploaded uh, the entire VHS press kit uh, for this movie to YouTube, whoever you are, mate, it's absolute top draw behaviour. <laughs> um, so th- we meet all the cast of characters, don't we? Um, Ice Cube is uh, there as the cameraman yeah. uh, for Jennifer Lopez's documentary. They go back to their days at university uh, film school, and uh, Eric Stoltz is um, the sort of well, what is he? He's like the sort of like the science dude who tells them where stuff is. The sexy, smarmy expert, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, who uh, has some history with uh, Ms. Flores, um, who's uh, Ms. Lopez in the movie. What, for me, is the... So I think we've had two in the space of two episodes now. Unlikely couplings. (laughs) 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 What is actually more unlikely... uh, Sigourney and Charles Dance, or the fella who got fired from Back to the Future and Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) Dear me. Never, ever, ever happening. Stoltz does smarmy quite well though isn't it i think that's why he oh, yeah. that's why he was kicked yeah. off back to the future because he was a bit too smarmy and too serious so he kind he, he's kind of well cast in this i think but yeah I, I agree i mean but is anyone good enough for jennifer lopez to be honest really apart from wesley snipes in money train ben affleck he is. I, mean, I hate to say this, but Ben Affleck's <laughs> on his second go at this. So, you know, it remains to be seen. Second God love you both. Go. She's go. not a ride all <laughs> No, talent. I did. Oh, God. <laughs> Can we get that out? Oh, no. You know what I mean? No. I second attempt <laughs> to woo the Lopez. Oh, God. To, to woo J. Lou. Um, J. Lou. But, I mean, J. Lou. My favourite thing of this opening is that Ice Cube's first line is a line from one of his songs. Do you think he wedged that into his, his contract? Oh, absolutely. He must have. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Love it. Oh, I, like, I like, you know, when, like, when, when these sort of 
this kind of movie starts and we get this crash course introduction of characters. I always liked it. We had it in Rogue as well, didn't we? Where we just met everyone as they got yeah, on the boat. Yeah. Like, same kind of thing. And just, oh, yeah, cool. I'm really enjoying all this. Uh, Jonathan Hyde is outstanding. Uh, <laughs> and in, um, can we, please, Sai, can we put this bit of audio in, in how he describes his character? I play a sort of, sort of English wanker. Today was the day I learnt that Jonathan Hyde was Australian. I thought he was English Same. all along. What? I still, still didn't know. Oh, but he's another person. He's totally invested, invested in this. And he's in the middle of his... He definitely uh, wanted Tim Curry, though, for sure. Tim Curry well, passed on the, this, without a doubt, for that it, Well, role. he'd only just got back from the lost city of the Zinch. <laughs> uh, so uh, he wasn't back yet. So he wasn't in the mental space ready to go. He's not ready to go to the jungle again. <laughs> I, I think Jonathan Hyde's great I, in this. I, I knew him as... Oh, he is, yeah. I know him as Richie Rich's butler more than anything. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> Cadbury. He's good in it. Yeah, I think he's... he's old, and he's in The Mummy as well, is he? Playing a very similar role. Yeah, yeah. And I think he just does... He's just like the go-to, isn't he? For this sort of, let's get this uptight, highly strung English dickhead and <laughs> just get Jonathan Hyde <laughs> to do it. He's really good. Yeah, really... I love that that that's, it probably was in the... <laughs> In the screenplay, <laughs> just that description, like who is out there? Well, of course, it's because again, Jumanji as well. You know where he was. Playing. He's in Jumanji, very, course, very yeah. similar. Yeah. Yes. Um, so mid nineties, he was the boss for yeah, uptight, Rudy Doody English word people. Wankers. You just described. Them, so, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, the film's quite um, enjoyable if you imagine him as just like a stand-in for like a Jacob Reese mug type person. Oh god! <laughs> Especially when he gets a chimp spat at him. Right? Can we? Get... <laughs> oh my word! Can you imagine that? Like, what was he called? Like, <laughs> I don't know what you'd call it. Like, privilege. The Jacob Reese mug story, starring Jonathan Hyde. <laughs> 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 We've gone very political tonight. Now there is an English wanker if we've ever seen one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. So they set off and it's marvellous. You've got Owen Wilson on there on sound and Carrie Wurrer as a production manager. Um, Everyone on this boat is just super horny. Though, well, the line where Owen Wilson's like, oh, this is just me as the jungle Mickey really horny. I was like, this whole film is super horny in this opening 20 minutes. Everyone's really sweaty and there's all double <laughs> entendres like absolutely yeah. everywhere. Well, I I was I was assuming that Jonathan Hyde and Ice Cube were going to hook up as well at some point because <laughs> everybody else was coupled off. <laughs> I would have been. They don't like each other, which is established early on. Because Jonathan Hyde is likely a massive racist. Is that what's that? <laughs> the Jacob Reese Mark story. <laughs> uh, so the, yeah, they set off, and it's not too long. I mean, we're gonna we plot. We can move quick on this, can't we? Really? Well, yes, of course. Uh, they're looking for the Sh- uh, Shuishama tribe, who have not been seen for quite some time. And uh, they find a chap um, who is <laughs> who is lost uh, in a thunderstorm, and his boat is stuck up a tree. He's <laughs> <laughs> got some lovely canal barge stuck up a tree, and he needs help getting off. Yeah. And, and he is, is, of course, played by uh, absentee father and Trump sycophant John Voight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
snarl. The snarl. Is he smiling? Is he snarling? What is he doing? I don't. Is face... he? Or everything he's doing in this film. And I'm forgive me, Razzies, but you can get in the bin. He's sensational. This film. He's absolutely. <laughs> I'm not having it. I'm just not having it. It just like his voice. People are saying a bad accent. Like I don't care. You like him because he sounds like JCVD. Bro. <laughs> I love that he's supposed to be Paraguayan. And he's like, he, we're talking about him sounding like he's from Belgium. Like, he's he's outstanding in this. It goes on a bit of a world tour, that accent. It does fair. a bit. But the character is ace. There's, there's no question that the best part of this film is Paul Cerrone, without doubt. It is. Like, absolutely. It definitely is. So Cerrone comes on, and he gradually, sort of like a virus, infects the uh, the boat, doesn't he? And gets everyone on his side, mainly monologuing Owen Wilson, who's like, you know, um, we're oh, wow, we're, we're in <laughs> loads of trouble. We're in got problems out here, and you know who knows where to go? This guy and <laughs> superstar, superstar. We're all in. Oh, it's on the pod. Well, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's outstanding. But this is not after he's killed a wild boar. And they've got loads of meat and all this kind of stuff. Because some horny stuff went on, James. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, uh... Oh, sorry. Was it you, Sai, who pointed out the horniness? We were discussing. Well, we were the both saying that it was very, it was very, very hot. It's a very yeah. horny movie. It's supposed to be National Geographic. It's more like a sex cruise. <laughs> National <laughs> pornographic. Let's look at. Yes. <laughs> 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 and it's um, they. They just sort of like go. Sarone is is saying we we need to go this way. They want to go this way. He's saying no. I can take you to the Shuashami tribe, and uh, they're all going like, "Well, hang on, they're over here, aren't they?" Well, yeah, it's it's thingy, isn't it? it Eric Stoltz's Kale is the one who's like, "Well, I'm the guy who knows what I'm talking about," because they kind of butt wow. heads, don't they, on where to go? They do, yes. So much uh, testosterone going on, yeah. And um, he gets alpha. in the water and. Um, has like a like a wasp thing going his mouth, yeah. or something. Even though he's got a respirator in and he hasn't opened his mouth. And uh, in the did water. he put it in the respirator? Is that what the because it later, the it's thing. later revealed that Paul Cerrone is the architect of everybody's misery. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it didn't get revealed yeah. though. Did did I miss that? Because when I was watching it, yeah. I was going, "Has Cerrone set this up?" He does. He says something like um, opaquely suggesting, like, "So when everyone's going, you know, like it's all, you know, it's all your fault, Cerrone." He's like, "Oh yeah, and I put the wasp in the thing, you know, like that kind of thing." Like, is that an admission? Is that is that you've been sucking? I don't know what that yeah. is. Which way is this going? He's, yeah. he's he, he definitely went to the Al Pacino. No school of um, Central and South American accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's but his it's mannerisms are so good as well. So they end up blowing this dam because they're trying to get, oh, trying to find where they're going. Eric, because they have to give Eric Stoltz an on deck. Yeah, sorry, let's not run past that. Me, that is too, like... too fun. And and uh, at the time, like not not a lot of audiences have seen anything like that. Yeah, I've seen that happen in so many movies now that I reckon I could. I could actually mm. perform one. 
Christ. I agree with you. All you need is a biro and a bit of and something sharp. And, uh, it's super. Uh, I love the way um, Voight sort of dismantles the pen with his face. <laughs> Spits it over the side. Oh, God. It's a, when, the, the way John Voight dismantles an orange when he's just casually eating an orange <laughs> on the top. Yeah, he's got it all over his face, hasn't he? <laughs> This is all Voight doing, like, backstory, like, how would he eat an orange? <laughs> like an absolute monster. One of, the, one of the best reviews. I don't know who said it, but one of, the, one of the best lines of one of the reviews was something like, John Voight eats as much scenery as the anaconda does people. <laughs> and all the better for it. That's what I am saying. But no, this, this is a serious point. It's like, if I'm going to sit and watch a film like Anaconda about a giant snake hunting people in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> yes, I want some larger-than-life yes. maniac who I can... Absolutely. I'm like, am I supposed to take him seriously, or is he just being hilarious, or is it supposed to be a bit of both? Is he supposed to be quite threatening and crazy as well at the same time? You want this, because that's what's going to elevate it above just, you know... Anaconda versus Lake Placid or whatever. <laughs> this the hell is, it's you're called. absolutely right, and this is what this is what's going to keep you entertained when the massive snake isn't on stage, on screen eating people. Yep, absolutely. You know, you need to have this stuff to keep you going in between times. Um, and I'm loving it all. I- I'm still loving it all. They blow up a dam. <laughs> Some wall has been built. Full of and, snakes. And, and <laughs> underneath, like snakes, old babies. Look at the babies. It's outstanding. I'm loving everything. He's throwing snakes over the side. People are upset. You know, like, they're not baby snakes. What logic is this? Like, like the, the anaconda has baby anacondas. It doesn't have babies of all other snake species. <laughs> <laughs> but you go for it, John. I'm having a great time following you. They go down there. They find a waterfall. It's well, Hang on. They go fishing at night. Oh, I love this one. The and music here is is incredible. It really is, isn't it? Randy Edelman uh, was the composer for this one, and they go fishing with like this little capuchin monkey. <laughs> he shot and put a big hook in. <laughs> they, 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 they hook into the the big snake, and the greatness of all of this, where. <laughs> Spit, like he gets unhooked only to pop up by the side of the boat and spit a dead monkey in Jonathan Hyde's face. <laughs> now, this is a cinema. Partially digested monkey. <laughs> now, if you're not enjoying this, I'm so sorry. We need, you need her. You need assistance. Oh. Yeah. Because, like, there's been a mutiny now, hasn't he? Sarone has basically taken over the boat and he's got his lackey, Owen Wilson, in in tow. Like, oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) This guy can get us out of trouble. And I need to work on this new screenplay for Wes Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) So weird. Owen Wilson's career in the back end of the 90s. He's like Wes Anderson's writing partner, right? He's like really critically acclaimed indie movies with this indie auteur and then acting in like Anaconda Armageddon this is it. <laughs> I, Shanghai Noon Armageddon was one year after this what a bananas area in his yeah. career anyway please continue anyone continue outstanding yeah so Owen bites it doesn't it obviously because uh, 
he's he's sided with Cerrone, so he's the first out of the regular crew is, to get yeah. it. Stoltz is below deck with his tracheotomy. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, and and uh, uh, yeah, they they reach this waterfall, don't they? Where oh, they <laughs> Jonathan Hyde has just literally given Ice Cube the controls, and he drives it into the floor. <laughs> he runs to the ground <laughs> within thirty seconds. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, so, but they're all mucking in. Hyde by this point is coming out of his shell. He's one of the dudes. He's he's reliable. Ah, and yeah, but you've you, you've missed it. You've missed a section here, Rob. In terms oh, I'm of- so sorry. So they realise that after Owen Wilson is killed, they're like, oh, we've got to do something about Cerrone. So they hatch a plan. They do, they? yes. I'm oh, so sorry. Yeah. Yes. And it involves seduction Oof. and double crosses. Oof. Double and... impact. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It's like a red herring as well, isn't it? Because they, they yeah, yeah. intentionally have Ice Cube coming in. Who, I don't know, I feel you can make a drinking game out of this film. Whenever Ice Cube falls over, you have to down a shot or something. <laughs> because fucking hell, he falls over about 80 times. He's <laughs> 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 absolutely wasted. They sort of set up this seduction with Jennifer Lopez's character and and Paul Saron. He's like, oh, I haven't had I a have woman in so long. <laughs> it's been a long time since I have a woman. It's been a very long time since I had a woman. <laughs> but he's like... You think I'm stupid? And then he, he sees like Ice Cube creeping up on him. But no, it's a double, double yeah, cross. Yeah, what a manoeuvre. Jonathan Hyde smashes through the window with his golf club. So I think it's quite um, disrespectful towards Ice Cube. It's like, we're going to have to put a fail safe in here because he's definitely going <laughs> to fuck it up. He's probably going to fall over. Which he did. And then Jonathan Hyde beans him with a seven iron. <laughs> through whatever. the glass. It's a big shot. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then he goes, oh, Asshole in one. Oh yes, excellent maneuver, excellent. Uh, yeah, and line. then they tie him up, don't they? they? Do yeah. Instead of just throwing him in the river like they should. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't, uh, yeah. I, uh, tying him up was a, a really good idea. <laughs> Not. Uh, and they, but they carry on with him, and he's just sort of like fixed at the back of the boat for the rest of the for the rest of the next 20 minutes or so snarling away just like oh what are you guys doing eh (laughs) never look into the eyes of the people you're about to kill baby bird (laughs) james they'll haunt you Cultural world tour. <laughs> I mean, it's not offensive to anyone because it it's isn't. Not, yeah, it's no one's accent. It's, no one it's just Sarone. That's all it is. It's just Paul Sarone. Sarone is, yeah. Um, and they, yeah, they, they uh, well, there's pivotal point at the waterfall where <laughs> Ice, Ice Cube drives into the floor. And they, and they <laughs> They have to get out and winch out, which this winch has to be powerful because they're pulling this massive pier out of the mud. Anyway, so they have to climb. Jonathan Hyde climbs up. You know, he ends up attaching to a thing. But the snake is obviously there. Snake is there. And it, well, I'm afraid it munches up Jonathan Hyde. Well, yeah, but Owen Wilson's girlfriend gets killed. Oh, as she well does. She, 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 she gets like WWE um, sleeper hold. It was a hurricane runner. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> 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 
from 70-year-old John Voight. I mean, how he jumps that high is quite commendable, really. I don't know what they teach in Paraguay, but uh, that's pretty (laughs) skilled. But, God, Westridge's kill, Jonathan Hyde, is incredible. It is. It's really good. He catches him behind a waterfall, doesn't he? Because he's just like, all of a sudden, he becomes this absolute hero, Mm. um, Westridge. And then he sees the snake and he's like, oh, I'm fucked. So he tries to jump off the waterfall, but then the snake catches him and then rolls him up. It's really good. For for 97, it's excellent, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely excellent. Meanwhile, um, J-Lo and Ice Cube are uh, collaborating. Like, I don't think they've ever made a song together. No, I don't think they have, no. (laughs) Maybe they didn't get on. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then... Duffing up Sarone on the deck of the pier below. <laughs> Jonathan Hyde. I said Jonathan Price. Jonathan Hyde is getting munched by an anaconda fifty feet above. Oh yeah, uh, it's all happening basically. And then Ice Cube's about to get munched, but they stop. Uh, well, they don't stop. J Lo managed to shoot it in the head, which is <laughs> incredible, really. Uh, and it's dead because it's been shot twice in the head. Yeah. So at no point can I just ask this. I know I don't know where Voigt's gone now. I can't remember. He shows up again in a bit. He jumped off the boat That's and the he's one. under the yeah, water. Off. Yeah. Nobody mentions the possibility of a second one. <laughs> but no. it just it's just like, oh, there's another one. And no everyone's like, oh, this again. <laughs> like there's not it's not like <laughs> there's two. It's more like, oh for crying there's out two. loud. There's <laughs> two uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. So was it were two following them the whole time? Is that what this was? Oh yeah, there's all. It's obviously well known that anacondas hunting packs <laughs> with all the babies, <laughs> all them babies. Uh, <laughs> so they they've all just ganged up and gone. It's our chance to take out Sarone. So they've just gone to the <laughs> four corners of the Amazon and dragged all the anacondas. <laughs> <laughs> So during all this, he's like the Steve Irwin of the <laughs> Anaconda world, and it's, it's time to take him down. Um, and they end up at a sort of like uh, knackered out mining thing where Sarone is made you. a trap. Won't catch you when you come for your fuel. How he's got there before them? Swimming no like idea. a dolphin. He's swimming what? like mariner yeah. up the up the river. <laughs> Because they hit him with a trunk dark. dark yes, yeah. The oh, the dark came out. <laughs> and he's just. <laughs> yeah, that was such an obvious piece of ADR it dialogue was, that was put. <laughs> the dark came out. It's like, yeah, you still pushed an unconscious man into a river. Like, <laughs> even if it's only out for 30 seconds, that should be sufficient. Sarone <laughs> manages to capture Terry and Danny, doesn't he? And yes, yes. Great, great. Finally, we've got the use of the characters and not J-Lo and Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah, and then he manages to catch them and bait them for his for his trap. What Do we ever know why Sarone wants the anacondas? Could he not have just got one of the baby snakes and then just let it grow yeah, and bolts. then sell That's that. That's what he wants. Instead, <laughs> and then, you know, sell. That's actually on the trivia page. Like, if he just picked up one of the baby ones, he'd have had a full-grown anaconda. He could have taken five <laughs> three weeks. You know, just five and they'd all have gone out. He could have put them all in a bag. N- none of this killing. Just get home. Yeah. 
I also learned from the IMDb trivia page that um, anacondas have round eyes, but for the film, they made them have more diamond-shaped eyes to make them look more sinister. Oh. Yeah. It's a shame they put those eyes really close together because it looks really dopey. (laughs) (laughs) And gave it a voice. (laughs) Gave it a voice. Scooby-Doo's voice, to be precise. Casting for an anaconda. There is a bit where, like, he he goes at Ice Cube and he goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, I absolutely lost it that bit. He's like, ah! <laughs> oh, this film is fucking brilliant, isn't it? It's so good. It is so funny. <laughs> it's absolutely outstandingly funny. <laughs> um, they... Oh, they somehow get out of the trap. Yeah, they get out, they wriggle out the net, don't they? Yeah. Even though they're covered in monkey oh, blood. Oh, yeah, well. that was terrible, yeah. That monkey's not <laughs> that much blood. <laughs> Tiny monkey, gallons of the stuff thrown at them. Um, but it's a nice gross effect. I tell you what, nowadays, Jennifer Lopez is not having monkey blood well, thrown on her. Just corn syrup, whatever it is. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, and Sarone uh, is trying to get away. But he's just, he's bitten off more than he can chew. And it finally comes and eats him. Splendid. Oh, it's a top-tier villain death, this, it by really the way. Is. It's great. Because when it squeezes him up, like, you can see in close, the his neck pop. You know, like, when it, oh, yeah, it's yeah. great. All his bones are getting mashed. Yeah, and when you see these shot from inside the <laughs> yeah. anaconda. <laughs> yeah. Well, I when I saw that shot, I immediately thought of that bit from um, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Right? <laughs> Behold, cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I d- <laughs> but I, I think the whole film is really well shot, and uh, it should be because it's shot by Bill Butler, who shot Jaws <laughs> and Frailty of this parody. Wow, this well, is not. This quite... is incredible. Yeah. So he's like, oh yeah, I've done one of these before. Don't worry, I'll sort it. Yeah. <laughs> it all the way through. So I did. Yeah. I did have a look at some of the. Obviously, watching the press kit, I did <laughs> notice that um, they did make a massive animatronic anaconda. Yeah, and I think That's the amazing. animatronic looks really good, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it gets a lot of crap about the CGI looking a bit ropey. It's of the time, but it's possibly why they chose to do a snake because it was probably the easiest thing to CGI at that time. Absolutely, yeah. It's all right. Yeah, for 97, it was excellent CGI. What was that other film we did where the CGI was sort of like this, but you kind of got away with it? Relic. The The Relic. Relic, yeah. It's in that sort of bracket for me where I don't think you can overly criticise it because I'm sure at the time, as one of those reviews from before said it was really good. You just have to go, well, that's what it was at the time. Yeah. yeah. And it's mixing with animatronic, even though it looks dopey as fuck with its eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's, it's all right. It's, it's not, it's, it's not, a, I mean, it's too funny anyway. So it kind of adds to it. To <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it adds a little bit of um, retro kitsch to the whole event no yeah and it's just so funny watching like two incredibly famous musicians like <laughs> in this movie <laughs> <laughs> like this will improve our street cred being in anaconda <laughs> well it obviously did <laughs> make us... it worked oh yeah <laughs> but we've missed off a we've missed off an incredible bit where the snake decides to because it was outlined on the opening crawl credit wasn't it that Sometimes the snakes 
eat the prey, but then oh, spit yes, it out it was. just to eat oh, it again. Just outstanding. And they do that with John Voight and uh, with Sarone, and it's the funniest thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is and the most disgusting. Thing. It is very. It, this is top top yeah. draw for me. This is what I want from a creature movie. <laughs> Absolutely, is yeah. a, like a, a, a ham sandwich actor getting vomed up. <laughs> Partially digested, and then yeah. for him to oh. wink at the camera. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm here for. No, he winks at Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, he winks at Jennifer Lopez. Sorry, fancies, winks at Jennifer Lopez. Still fancies his chances. He's got to shoot his shot, even though he's partially digested and covered got... in Charles Dance's special potion. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All his all his bones are broke. His back is broken as well. <laughs> Still got the wherewithal to offer a wink. Uh, it's uh, the whole effect of him flopping out on the, on the floor onto his very knees good. is excellent. It, it really is super. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's that level of disgusting that you you always want a bit a, a, a moment like that in a movie like this. You know where it's like it's proper awful, like. Ben Gardner's head in Jaws. You know, like, it's yeah. like, I'm not saying the two are equivalent because the tension lead up to Ben Gardner's head is like absolute masterclass. <laughs> but it's that similar kind of like proper visceral horror. Oh, that's horrendous. Um, yeah. And it's great. It's just great. I remember watching this with my dad and when he, uh, <laughs> when the snake vomed John Boy out and he winked at her, he winked at J-Lo. My dad went, as if. Like, <laughs> like it's a realistic representation of anaconda behaviour. I love that at no point in the movie up to this point anything was had gone too far. Like, That's where he thought he'd jump the shark. <laughs> not, the, not the cobbing of dead monkeys at Jonathan Hyde. Exactly, it's been set up. <laughs> where do you think where do you think that monkey prop is now and <laughs> where can we buy it <laughs> I just want I to like a floppy th- monkey just on my bookshelf thrown into an incinerator as soon as filming no. stopped <laughs> no no surely not uh, and yeah speaking of incinerators they, they sort of like somehow managed to blow this thing up I don't really know. Oh how. yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Well, don't all, the, all the all the oil drums, don't they? So they pour out all, yeah, the, all the fuel. Rob, that's why they had to go. <laughs> <laughs> Again, makes no sense. Um, and then the, the yeah, they finally find the tribe, don't they? They've been after. Oh them. yes, the Shui Shamba. Yeah. Um, so all's all's yeah. well that ends well because you know they finish the documentary, Jackpot. sail off into the sunset, and we're supposed to believe that Jennifer Lopez is just gonna. Be with Eric Stoltz moving forward, and that's when it jumped the shark for me. This movie, <laughs> she should have won an Academy Award for this movie, pretending to be attracted to that silly ginge. I'm not like like the the, the whole thing of this is like how it's um, it's Jennifer Lopez's like shot to like make it big with this documentary, and then she films this bit at the end with the tribe, but she's got no sound guy, so I don't know. Yeah, he's gone. The presenter's gone. Jonathan Hyde's Westridge is, is dead. Uh, the the professional guy is half dead in a, in a bed in the He's boat. got Byro sticking out of his throat. <laughs> She'll get back to National Geographic with all the footage and they would be like, the fuck is this? You can't use any of this. <laughs> 
was like, Ice Cube's footage is like all over the place. Is it? Yeah, because I kind of went through, just, you know, asked to hold a camera and film some stuff after this ordeal with a snake <laughs> covered in monkey blood. And it's just not going to be good, is it? So All this just... for a documentary that's going to be sat, put on at the middle of the night in between reruns of Storage Wars. Credits roll. Credits roll. Credits roll, and it should be, it's panpipes when it should be a hip-hop remix of Take My Breath I nearly passed wind again <laughs> with the accidental Like thought. Ice Cube's version of... Um, my hat is like a shark's face. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. <laughs> doing a sample of Berlin's Take My Breath Away. <laughs> it's from oh, the POV God. of the Anaconda. <laughs> this is like, we've. I don't know whether you, you. Like, we were talking about director's cut, what seems like hours ago now. But, like, can we have F- FYR cuts? Like, can we. Makers of Anaconda, please, we will do a cut of this movie. Oh, um, what about best bits? Let's have that. James, what's your best bit? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to look past anything that Paul Sarone does, but um, <laughs> but it's more something that happens to him. So um, after the uh, Jonathan Hyde guy gets done in by the snake... Done in? <laughs> the snake is like put a squeeze in him and it manages to collapse a tree. Now, if you're watching this closely, right, the tree comes down and it's heading for the boat and both um, Jennifer Lopez's and Ice Cube's stunt doubles are right, Johnny on the spot and they're diving out the way. If you watch closely, Paul Sarone's stunt double, John Voigt's stunt double rather, is not quite as quick and he gets bashed over the head with branches. <laughs> Does he? <laughs> Does he really? And just sort of flops into the water. <laughs> I did not know this. I don't know if it's in- intentional, but I don't remember him having much of a head injury when he gets back on the boat and starts going, you killed my baby! <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write, perhaps we can reach out to the mighty John Orty at Behind the Stunts. Yeah. I don't know, know if it's a if anyone in the world knows, he will know. Final cut. But this yeah, is super. Yeah. Whoever was playing John Voight's um, stunt double, he yeah he uh, he took a tree to the cranium. <laughs> <laughs> Did not spot that. Wow, that's, that's, that is a great that spot, man. I, and that is it's also... a really good shot as well in slow motion. Like it's proper nineties action filmmaking. It is, isn't it? They go they go slow mo for that bit, don't they? Yeah. Uh, what about you, Sai? Uh, oh god, so many. I mentioned before, Cerrone eating an orange was a particular. <laughs> Just this one really peculiar. But it's really early on as well. It's like in the evening. It's like lovely, you know, moonlit blue, and everyone everyone thinks everyone's asleep. And Gary and Denise are sort of, you know, getting together and deciding to go out to record audio in the middle of the night. And the camera just sort of, <laughs> just sort of tilts down. <laughs> There in the distance, and it tilts down, and surrounds in his hammock in the foreground, awake, just like smirking in the foreground <laughs> with his like overturned face, you know, because he's about to follow them and be really pervy. I just really great shot, like in terms of cinema, just brilliant shot, like focusing on the background and then camera move, and then the something comes in the foreground. It's brilliant. It's just hilarious that it's John Voight's head. <laughs> <laughs> being a Tony Mon- doing Tony Montana it's just so funny I, I absolutely love that bit 
Um, and then there was also a bit where they reversed a shot. I don't know if you noticed it, where there's the, it's a bit where the, they blow the the dam up, I think it is, or where the bit of the waterfall, and they the boat goes away, and there's a wide shot of the boat leaving the area, but they obviously didn't shoot it. They only shot it going in. So they reversed the shot. The waterfall's going backwards. No. <laughs> you guys tonight bring as in this behind-the-scenes the bloopers. Pulls out. No. And it's like, if there's ever a shot you can't get away to reverse, it's probably one with a waterfall in the background, you absolute <laughs> fucking idiot. That's amazing. I'm going to have to watch this film again immediately after. We're getting to the point where... Um, it's not a lot of quality control on this set. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Uh, it's like, fuck it. It's so hilariously bad. Let's just leave all these unintentionally <laughs> funny bits in. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how. And you've said it a few times now. Sai especially. You say Westridge with a straight... It just sounds like a Hampshire <laughs> shopping outlet. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know how. Um, oh dear, right. So best bit for me, I'm going to keep it very, very simple. The second you get the jump scare of the anaconda popping up next to the boat and gobbing a <laughs> capuchin monkey into flipping Westridge's face, that is peak. I am loving this. It's brilliant because that also has that horrible ick quality. You know, like. Uh, Oh, it's really oh, gross. There is a lot of like gross moments, but like PG thirteen gross, which is yeah, yeah, good. It's actually it's quite really good, good that you can yeah. get this film for early teens and and have that. Because honestly, I was thinking about like my twelve year old watching this, and she could handle this no problem at all. She could handle this no sweat. But you're right, like keeping it PG thirteen, it does open the door to sort of like twelve and above. Like I'm pretty sure this would be a twelve these days. Oh yeah, I, I, I there's anything so. that yeah, really... sure it'd be fifteen in this country. For sure. Think so? Yeah. Do you yeah. Think? I went to see that, um, you know, the teeny bopper uh, AI gone murderous Megan mm. movie that was uh, that's yeah, out. Yeah. And that, there's nothing really particularly, there's less gore in that than there is in this. Right. And that's a 15. Wow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So wow. Still, right. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so um, let's do, for your reconsideration, Anaconda, James. I mean, is it good? No, but did I enjoy <laughs> the hell out of it? You bet your snake bitten ass I did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it's brisk, it's goofy, but it solidly delivers what you expect it to. And whilst I think it would have massively benefited from sticking with its initial R rating in order to deliver some more gnarly kills... You could do a lot worse when it comes to a Friday night switchy brain off creature feature. So yeah, get it on if you haven't seen it, and it's a good laugh. Eighty-eight minutes as well. Can't go wrong, really. Oh yeah, outstanding. Sai, uh, I'm just going to stay on this wave. Sai. Yeah, to echo the eighty-eight minutes stuff. I watched this before breakfast this morning, which was <laughs> perfect. Honestly, mate, you are living the life if you're doing that before breakfast. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> I mean, you know, of course it's super hammy and often unintentionally hilarious. Yeah, it's just fucking brilliant. And I think <laughs> the most interesting thing about this film, I thought, if we're going to be wanky about it, is I thought it was a really good, understated thing how it was about um, a character, who, a group of these, you know, these idiot, arrogant, invasive, naive filmmakers 
being conned and coerced by a vindictive, deeply horrible man in Cerrone. I think that was actually a really interesting pivot of, you know, point of the film with the snake going on around it. That wankiness aside, it's just fucking hilarious. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, Just really, (laughs) really funny. Heaps of fun. Um, And a real relic of the era, which, you know, I'm glad this film was made in the 90s because that's how it survives and will be hopefully long lasting because it has that 90s sheen to it where it's in the middle of, you know, just before CGI kicks off, but then just after, you know, these action films, you know, these animal creature features, short 90 minute movies are are in, in vogue and it's just a sweet spot of fun cinema so yeah oh guys have a, if you want a good time watch it for sure you guys have made me a very happy man because i really didn't know what your take on this was going to be because we never really discussed it i mean obviously we're all aware of it we've never really discussed it um i i just i echo absolutely everything like there are far worse films you can watch if you're looking for no one's talking about you lake placid versus anaconda <laughs> <laughs> If you want, if you want creature feature thrills, and they went to like mad effort to make this film as well, didn't they? You know, um, with big animatronic snakes and whatever, and the CGI. I have seen a couple of the sequels. The CGI in this is better than all of the sequels. It, it really is, and it's got music stars and <laughs> top end actors, Academy Award winning, yeah, in like a ham off <laughs> on the Amazon against a massive snake. Come on, let's just enjoy, like I absolutely love it. Um, there's nothing about this I don't enjoy. I, I'm serious. There is nothing about this I don't like. I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. I really hope. I reckon there's a lot of people out there who have a real soft spot it's for this. So good. Um, <laughs> yeah, please. If you do have a soft spot for for it, like we do, please hit us up. Boys, thank you so much. Like we have gone long tonight, but I have loved every chortling second of that um, with my babies. My, my little babies. <laughs> oh, it's super Baby stuff. Birds. Baby birds. <laughs> Buenos noches. <laughs> Funniest intro ever. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Uh, James, it's your pick next, isn't it? It is. Uh, you might have noticed when we were discussing uh, extended cuts and director's cuts Ooh. earlier that I was a little on the quiet side. That's because you guys started discussing my next pick inadvertently oh, no. we've not discussed this really no, this is great so uh break out the baby oil for the late wolfgang peterson's sword and sandals <gasps> epic troy troy oh, oh, yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> fucking yes right so now are we are we are we gonna stick theatrical uh, yeah, uh well the theatrical cut is streaming on amazon prime so if people want to check it out then by all means. I was reading a little bit on the director's cut. It seems like it was just more focused on battle sequences and, and things like and a few extra scenes here and there. So I don't I've never seen the director's cut. I don't know whether to purchase it or not. Let's watch the director's cut. Let's do that. Yeah. All right. If, Full on three hour fifty. Yeah. Oh well if you want to own the director's cut, it's on Blu-ray for seven ninety nine or DVD for one sixty. Oh. Director's cut <laughs> steelbook. It's twelve quid. <laughs> Incredible. Shishi Weishi. Um if if the listeners want to watch it, you can just stream the theatrical cut on Amazon Prime. You don't have to be maniacs yeah. and go out and buy the director's <laughs> cut like we're doing. <laughs> Those marks at FYR are doing it again, aren't they? <laughs> 
<laughs> doing an obscure movie. I mean, I'm definitely not going to watch the theatrical and the uh, thingy simultaneously <laughs> on this one. I'll be there like, all day watching. <laughs> uh, fellas, it's been outstanding to be with you tonight. I cannot wait yep. to discuss Troy the Director's Cut next time. Uh, listeners, thanks so much for joining us. Really hope you enjoyed that chat about Anaconda as much as we did. And uh, we'll see you next time for Troy. Uh, be good to each other, look after each other, respect each other, love each other, and have a chat with us on social media at FYR Film Pod. Um, take it easy, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. See you later. Bye. I'm going to have to book out. <laughs> two weeks to watch this film. <laughs> no way. It's Break it down done. into a mini series. So like. ha- oh, it might have to be, yeah. If I can do Ms. Marvel in like the two weeks it took us here, I can definitely do Troy. Right? Right? <laughs>